Hello and welcome to the CGF podcast. My name is Louise Chester. I work in the communications team at the Consumer Goods Forum and this is the latest episode in our third season of the podcast where we delve behind the scenes of our work and we share our thoughts about the challenges facing our industry, the planet and its people. The Consumer Goods Forum is a CEO-led organization that helps the world's retailers and consumer goods manufacturers to collaborate alongside other key stakeholders to secure consumer trust and drive positive change. Today, I'm talking to my fellow CGF colleagues, Erica Sheward, who's Director of the Global Food Safety Initiative, and Ignacio Gavilan, Director of Sustainability, who leads the CGF's Coalitions of Action on plastic waste and food waste. So the three topics that they work across are completely interconnected and really do require a joined up approach from our industry. So there's so much to say on this. Let's get started. Hello, Ignacio. Hello, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me once again on the podcast. You have both been here before. You're veterans to to the podcast. So it's a real pleasure to have you back to talk about these very important topics today. So hello. How are you both doing? Yes, good. Thanks, Louise. Thank you. Good. Thank you, Louise. Good to be back. (laughs) So... The issues of food safety, food waste and plastic are, as we know, completely interconnected. Perhaps you could both start by telling our listeners a bit about how these issues do connect and does our industry have to have a joined up approach to tackling the issues? Yeah, sure. I can go first. So, I mean, let me put it very simply. So packaging protects our food and allows it, allows it to last longer. But there's no effective system to collect it and sort it and recycle it. And unfortunately, most of it ends up in the environment. Um, also, we might not need so much plastic packaging uh, on some food items. Uh, so some of it might be unnecessary and we should be able to remove it. Uh, but this is something to always verify from the food safety angle. Are we solving one problem but creating another one? So I think it makes a lot of sense to work much closer with with food safety, not only within the CGF, but with the authorities um, to really make a difference on this topic. We've seen it from other disciplines. If you look at deforestation-free commodities, no matter how good you are in sustainability, unless you engage procurement, things will never happen. So I think collaboration in here is key. Yes, I, I would agree, Louise, 100% with, with what Inaxio said. And I think that's the beauty of uh, the CGF, isn't it? I mean, we take the interconnected issues, we create coalitions of action from those key themes, the collective challenges that our members share, and, and then we work together to try, to try and fix them. So um, I don't think there's any uh, doubt that uh, across the CGF, we're, we're connecting these themes together, um, hence the podcast, actually. Um, but it's, it's making that connection in, in our member companies on the ground and I think in terms of food safety food waste and plastic those three themes um, there is the demonization isn't there of of the plastic wrapper you know the unnecessary plastic wrapper Um, and the question is you know is is the plastic wrapper necessary for food safety reasons which may um, not necessarily just be about shelf life extension they may be about 
um, you know, fecal oral contamination on things like fruit and vegetables. You know, why do we wrap cucumbers is the thing that I see quite often. And it's a good question. Um, but what people need to realise is that essentially, if you want to pick a cucumber up that isn't wrapped and isn't packed, you know, uh, it will have come into contact with a whole host um, of, of environmental and, and human contamination on its journey to, to your table. And then you're going to have to deploy in the home completely different discipline, you know, cleaning things in, in, a, in a way that people have really got very unused to. So it's a, it's a seismic shift in, in culture for, um, for, for people. It's not just a simple matter of saying, well, I don't need my cucumber wrapped, let's just get rid of it. People then need to engage another protocol to make sure it's safe to eat. Super, yes. Yeah. So you started to touch upon there this, this uh, question that I wanted to ask about consumers and how they will feel essentially about getting rid of plastic packaging. I know it is a big concern that if we replace the, that plastic packaging with other materials, is our food going to be as safe? What do you think about that? Perhaps you would want to start there, Erica? Yeah, and I mean, you know, from, from a food safety point of view, plastic is like a, a, a magic compound, isn't it? <laughs> um, the fact that it's, uh, you know, it's finding its way into the environment because, uh, you know, as Ignacio said, waste management infrastructure is, isn't, isn't robust enough in many uh, areas of the world to, to deal with it is, is a real challenge because it, it is the magic uh, substance for, from a food safety point of view. You know, it's impervious, it's, you know, it's, it's versatile, um, you know, it, it, it can be applied to all sorts of contexts, it, 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 it's magic, um, but clearly very detrimental to the environment. So it's, you know, what do we do to, to replace it? And sometimes, you know, replacing it is, is, is not the holy grail either. I mean, we've seen you know, the straws debate, um, you know, the replacement of, of things with wax paper and bamboo and, you know, but all of those things have, have their own issues as well. So it's, it, it, it's, it's really, it's really complicated and does need, you know, a holistic uh, consideration because sometimes consumers can be thinking, oh, well, this is great. This is much more environmentally, you know, friendly way of, of, of wrapping something. Um, but, you know, there may be other, other consequences of that. And it's, it, there's a huge consumer education piece when you swap uh, plastic out for some for a replacement in I think. Thank you that's very interesting. Ignacio did you have anything to add on that question? Yes I, I, I can build a little bit I mean Eric mm -hmm. is absolutely right so there's no denying that plastic has become demonized. Um, what must have been welcomed as a miracle almost uh, when it went mainstream in the 50s is now an environmental nightmare so plastic is versatile is inexpensive durable it's super efficient way to package uh, our goods. But of course, it, it does not belong in the environment. So uh, that's something we need to fix. So uh, just think about, you know, uh, again, on the benefits, shipping food in, in plastic is obviously much cheaper and less resource intensive than shipping it in glass from the carbon perspective as well. Um, as Erica was pointing out, many foods are wrapped in unnecessary amounts of, of plastics. And there's no doubt that this needs to be changed. So uh, listen, this is not easy, uh, but I think the first step to becoming a more mindful consumer is understanding the issues across the board. So let me elaborate a bit on, on the fundamental redesign of plastic packaging that we need. So despite the fact that plastic packaging is fully within our control as companies, we still see things like excess packaging used for marketing purposes only, so we're basically shipping air in oversized packages. Um, 
we still see packaging design choices choices with with no chance of being recycled back to packaging and we do have a critical shortage of recycled plastics for packaging uh, to comply with our uh, recycled content percentages and of course there's a number of problematic plastics that completely disrupt the recycling process things like black plastic pvc etc so we want to move away from multi-material into monomaterial make it that simple for the recycling process so leading companies of the consumer goods forum uh, jointly and voluntarily committed to specific design changes to reduce this plastic waste and increase uh, recycling rates aligned with technical guidelines. Um, these are the so-called golden design rules. Two of them have been published um, back in December and we will publish again the, the next seven uh, rules in uh, July. So stay tuned. These are very simple things you can implement tomorrow in your products that will make a huge difference, will make your packaging easier to recycle and and, the, and and much less intense when it comes to the amount of, of plastic. Thanks, Ignacio. And yes, absolutely. We're, we're looking forward to publishing the full set of golden design rules this July. So do watch this space for that. So my next question is still linked to consumers. And it's about the dreaded microplastics that we hear so much about. So we're all becoming more and more aware, we're hearing in the press about the, the presence of microplastics in our food and water. So the World Wide Fund for Nature said in their report in 2019, a rather shocking statistic that the average person consumes a credit card worth of plastic per week. So I wanted to ask you whether you know how much of this actually comes from the plastic that our food is wrapped in when we buy it. Is this a real um, great concern for our health? Okay, so um, I mean, the, these are, are, are great things to, re to release to, to the world, aren't, aren't they, without any uh, bringing the, the world a problem and, and then potentially no solution. And I think the challenge with microplastic is that there are so many unknowns um, in this area. It's an emerging area of research. Um, there's lots of people currently seeking to understand the current state of knowledge and scope and the extent of the problem of my, microplastics. And I know there are sort of multiple different areas that are being investigated. So sources and generation is being looked at, mechanisms for environmental um, and oceanic contamination that, that's being looked at, um, the effects of microplastic on human health because they're not well understood either, um, the ecosystems and the environment, mic microplastic in the food chain, how much, you know, what type, where from, um, and obviously the regulation of microplastics is is something that's being being looked at, uh, and you know, above all, any any of the mitigation stra strategies that that can be employed. But this will be a, you know, a long uh, journey, and until we, you know, all of those areas of of, of um, investigation are really kind of um, more advanced, more mature, and then brought together uh, into a sort of homogenous. Um, space it's going to be difficult you know to, to to really know the answer to that question 
Um, and, uh, you know, it is concerning for people to think that, you know, if it really is a credit card's worth of, uh, of plastic, I don't know whether it's the size, the weight, the depth. I mean, I, I don't know what, I didn't even know what that means. <laughs> you know, credit card, uh, you can measure a credit card lots of different ways. I wouldn't yeah, even understand true. what that meant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm. I think we're at a stage where we need to get all the, the information together and then and then support industry partners and policymakers to, you know, to think about how much of a problem and what they need to do to, you know, to try and mitigate that the issue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Ignacio, did you want to touch upon that or shall I? No, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a quick reflection. This is one yeah. of the unintended consequences of our current um, system. Uh, you, you you throw things in your bin thinking it will disappear next thing you know it's it's in your stomach because you ate some oysters or mussels that have plastic on it so it's it, the entire system needs needs to be fixed um, just a quick reflection yeah okay super so next one is perhaps for you Ignacio I want to talk about recycling one of your favorite topics so are there limitations of recycled materials on food contact applications and you know does this present a possible roadblock in the the plan to scale up current recycling capacity short answer is yes there are yeah. limitations um using recycled materials into food application is not 100% sorted yet. So um, I, I need to get into a little bit of technicality in here, but, but there are two ways to recycle uh, plastic. One is chemical, one is mechanical. So for chemical recycling via uh, a specific technology called pyrolysis, um, mainly the technology that gets flexible packaging recycle, uh, I think the food contact legislation will not be too problematic in the EU or United States. For mechanical recycling, mainly used for rigid containers, uh, like PET bottles, for example, plastic uh, water uh, or beverage bottles, um, the EU is, 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 um, is stuck with PET only at the moment due to the EU Food Safety Authority rules that require proof input materials 95% uh, from food contact use. So ideally beverage bottles into beverage bottles. Uh, this is obviously very difficult because there's a mix in, in the trash. So unless you collect it separately, it's very difficult to guarantee these sort of percentages. Uh, US has a little bit more flexibility and a different approval method, but uh, this makes sense. Of course, the last thing we want is to have some hazardous material um, in contact with food as a result of, uh, of a poor recycling process. So then for other types of chemical recycling, like dissolution recycling, uh, it's, it's, it's also challenging to get food grade certification. I think overall, this will need again, great collaboration with food safety authorities, technology, um, and this, this is happening right now. So we are as Consumer Goods Forum, looking into chemical recycling with a lot of interest and and uh, we will engage with food safety not only within the cgf of course with erica but uh, with the authorities uh, to help accelerate recycled content in in our packaging so next ignacio i think it is another one for you here food waste so 
date labeling and particularly expiration dates is is maybe the main way for consumers to really know or judge whether what they're eating is actually safe whether it's gone out of date and they should put it straight in the in the bin and um, there's however as we know such a huge amount of discrepancy about how all the different products that we buy are labeled there's best before use by you probably know the long list better than i do but it's very very confusing and this obviously causes food waste as well so why aren't we as an industry getting this right and what are the challenges we're facing there that are stopping us from getting it right yeah thank you louis good question back in 2017 together with the wri and then fmi and gma in the us we made a call to action to have just one date on display whether it's used by or best before so used by is is for food safety reasons after that date just discard the product best before is for products that might lose some of the quality um, after that date but they're still perfectly edible so things like salt or coffee for example just one date on display and please manufacturers as big as possible um, don't put it next to other things like batch number or um, whatever other number because that gets people into confusion clearly visible separated from other numbers um, that's the that's the target um, we've seen progress on this there are 12 expressions out there and that includes refrigerated by sold by I mean things that are sometimes communication between the distribution center and the retailer avoid all of those stick to one and 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 <clears throat> that will that will help us with household uh, waste, which is in some developed countries up to 60%. Um, so uh, th there's a number of reasons for this, but uh, I think date labeling plays a huge role. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. This again, call to action. There's plenty of information in our webpage and some of the other web pages. We've discussed this with Codex Alimentarius and some others. It's it's critical that we get this right in in the packaging. Absolutely, Erica. Did you have anything to, to add there to, to build upon uh, what Ignacio said on date labeling? No, I mean I think I think that's absolutely right. I mean the, it needs to be simple. It needs to be consistent. It needs to be everything um, that consumers can relate to and, and understand. And, and simplicity, I think, is key. Um, mm. Because, it, you know, it is critical that consumers understand that there's a difference between quality and safety and that dates can relate, you know, to both features. Um, and, you know, it, it's quite a different thing to, to conceive something past its expiration date, um, knowing that it's going to be fine for, from, from, you know, from a safety point of view, but may be impacted in the, in the quality space versus, you know, applying the same rule and then consuming a high risk product you know, out, out of its expiration date, which is really not a cool thing to do. No, it's not. <laughs> it's it's just so confusing, isn't it, from the consumer perspective? I find myself very often wondering whether to throw things away or, or just risk it and eat it. <laughs> so finally, um, I wanted to hear from both of you how you see and I know you don't have crystal balls here but how do you foresee these issues evolving over the next 10 years Erica do you want to dive in there and go first 
Well, I think the great thing about the modern world is that um, it's the ability for people to, to know things, to get information, to search for things, to find things, to have so many um, commentaries and, and, and narratives on a particular subject. So, you know, you can your interest can be sparked by something and you can find out pretty much anything and everything that you want to know. I think the challenge in that is that then people become completely overwhelmed. So the very thing that is, you know, is the positive uh, aspect also can can become a negative and and people then don't don't know what what, what the truth is what the real truth is um and and can become very very confused but i don't, I don't think these debates are going to uh, are going to go away i think once now people are aware and concerned they will continue to uh you know to be concerned and be aware um you know which is a, which is a great thing so it's a really it's a really great thing Thank you. Ignacio, do you, do you have any thoughts there or pearls of wisdom you'd like to share? Well, uh, very little to add, but um, I think um, when it comes to food safety, waste and plastic, there's no time to lose in here. Companies and governments need to tackle these issues efficiently. We will need to develop new technologies and legislation that both helps companies invest in innovation and accelerates the move to a hopefully more secular economy. After all, we, we all have to do our bit to spark a sort of a gradual but forceful change. Um, let's, let's aim to reduce and reuse where we can uh, and consider a bit more our purchases more carefully. I mean, after all, future, future generations quite simply depend on it. We cannot get this wrong. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? I know it, it does sound rather cliche when we say that future generations depend on it, but it is absolutely true. Uh, it's not said frequently for no reason. It's it's the truth. So you're right. We absolutely must act. And just want to wrap it up now with a, a bit of a personal question to both of you. How do you know we're coming out of this, hopefully coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic? Do you feel that if we think particularly about these topics or perhaps other topics that relate to sustainable consumption, how has the pandemic shaped your consumption behavior if it if it has at all? Any thoughts? Yeah, okay. So I have a go at that one first. I, I think this is a really interesting question. And and, and until I, I knew you were going to pose it, I didn't, I hadn't really thought about it. But I mean, for me personally, it's been that shift from office to home that's been really significant in terms of the sorts of things that I would eat during a working day in the office versus what I've been eating since I've been you know at home <laughs> and it's really very different isn't it I mean every time I'm in the office I would you know uh you know always too time pressed to prepare something to bring in from home I'm not very good at that so always go out would buy something you know would be a plastic wrap sandwich or would be a you know a, a something to food to go type a, a thing a salad in a pack or something well I can honestly say in the past 14 months I've not consumed a single one of those things because in my own home work it you know you make your own food uh you know and and it's it does it's not it's not wrapped or, or packaged anyway you just make it fresh and and you eat it so so for me I, I can't I, I mean I don't know how many sandwiches I haven't eaten in a plastic wrapper in the past 14 months but I imagine a fair few you've saved a lot of plastic going into I that have. Well, then. Yeah. <laughs> well done yeah. 
And you, Ignacio? Well, I, I think the lockdown had an immediate and, and, and somehow could have a long-term effect on us, uh, our shopping behavior, our food preparation and, and cooking, uh, eating habits, diets, food consumption patterns, food waste, uh, the, all of those things, I think, because we were at home, we were, we were able to, to see them more clearly. Uh, I think for me, um, obviously I, in France, you have two bins, one for, one for your organic and another one for your packaging. Um, I was very good at managing the organic because obviously you, you, you're home, so you're very efficient. Nothing uh, goes to waste, um, nothing expires compared to when you were traveling you know, that salad bag that you thought was not expired, it is when you come back. So from that point of view, far more efficient. I realized how quickly the bin with containers uh, is filled, which means everything is, is, is packed. And, and I think the pandemic helped me look for, for less packaged products. Um, seeing how fast the, the bin was growing with everything. I mean, you order the food, of course, it comes in a container, it's natural and it protects the food. But it helped me realize how quickly that bin fills up and the amount of, of plastic. If, if I think in, in the entire building, that that bin downstairs every day was, was filled up versus the other one on organic. So just a reflection, but I, I think overall we became a bit more efficient in many aspects that before we were not really looking into. Yeah, I, I have to agree, but I think I'm more on your side, Ignacio. I felt quite worried when I heard Erica say that she's reduced uh, in terms of packaging because I too have been quite horrified to walk into my kitchen several times a day and see this ever-growing mountain of, of packaging every day. So I think it's really hit home how much I use, whereas normally it would have been distributed in different, hopefully recycling bins throughout the day. So, and it, it's funny too, because I have asked this question to one or two other guests on the podcast, and they've actually also given that as, a, as um, a, something that they noticed during the pandemic. So, well done, Erica. I think we all need to take a leaf out of your book. <laughs> well, so, and I'm going to try and keep it up, you know, yes. I'm going to try and get my act together and, uh, and, and start bringing stuff in from home that, uh, that's going to prevent uh, me from picking up my old habits. Yeah, it's a good good behaviour to keep. So thank you so much to both of you. It's been a really, really uh, interesting conversation. I think we talked about so many things, so it's quite hard to sum it up. But just a couple of things I pulled out from what you said is obviously collaboration is absolutely key across these topics. And you said it, Ignacio, we have no time to lose. Um, so, you know, we are moving in the right direction. But there is work that still needs to be done so if listeners do want to get involved with uh, our work across these topics we would invite you to have a look at the at the CGF website and we'll of course link uh, the different coalitions within the podcast below so thank you very much to Ignacio and, and Erica for joining me today pleasure no thank problem you. thank you thanks Ignacio thanks Louise if you would like to find out more about our work at the Consumer Goods Forum, you can visit our website at www.theconsumergoodsforum.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast for more episodes coming very soon. Thank you for listening and bye for now.